Thank you, Tom. All right, let's stand together. Tom sang that. Didn't sing it last night because he didn't know what I was preaching on, but he sang it today because he knew. And I appreciate that, Tom. Tom's been around a while, uh, as I have. And we've learned a few things. We've learned that Christians don't make it without the fire of God within. And since we're living in the hour of Laodicea, meaning the, the hour of the lukewarm church, how many of you can say, well, some are going there, but not me? Well, that's kind of convincing. Let me try that again. We're in the hour of the lukewarm church. And while some may be going there, not me. Amen. All right. I want to, first of all, let me say it's so good to be back with, with all of you. There's Kathy. Wave hi, Kathy. There she is. Uh, we took a little break last week, went down into the piney woods of East Texas and just had a wonderful time of rest. My thanks to those that stood in my stead and spoke for me and, and uh, did a great, great job. I know they did. Alan Smith from Gateway and uh, our own Pastor Ray and Brendan. And, uh, but it's, I missed you, and it's good to be back. And, boy, we had a rich time in a lot of ways, but uh, I had a rich time in the Word. Just did. Didn't have to prepare a message. Just got to sit and soak uh, in the Word of God. And, boy, the Lord gave me a whole summer's worth of messages. The whole summer. So that takes care of a, a lot of the what I usually do every week. So, but I want to talk to you today about how to get the fire back how to get the fire back. And let's read Leviticus 6, 9 through 13. And I want you to just notice a pattern here that God has set in place with the Old Testament people. And I'm going to talk to you about that because this is an Old Testament picture of New Testament truth. Watch this now. God is talking through Moses or to Moses. And he says, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering, which was a sacrifice. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning. Now read the, these next few words with me. And the fire must be kept burning on the altar. Now we're going to hear that several times in these passages. So catch that phrase. The priest shall then put on his linen clothes with linen undergarments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. So remove the ashes every morning so that nothing hinders the fire. And then he is to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that is ceremonially clean. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. There it is again. Can we read that together? The fire on the altar must be kept burning. The next five words, it must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. Now let's read it again. The fire must be kept burning on the altar. How long? And what does he say? 
it must not go out. Do you get the idea that God doesn't want the fire going out? All right, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that this is a picture of New Testament reality, and we pray in Jesus' name, you will speak to us today. I pray for a reigniting of the fire. I pray that you will give us fresh fire. I pray that those whose fire has begun to dwindle, flicker, go out, will be reignited in the mighty name of the Lamb of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before you're seated, I want you to preach your neighbor a little bit. Turn to them and say, burn on, don't burn out. A little more up. Amen. Well, God also directed, not only did he tell them three times in five verses, the fire shall not go out. The fire shall not go out. But he also directed that Aaron and his sons were to put fresh firewood on the fire each and every morning. They were to go out there. Now catch this, everybody, because this is an Old Testament picture of New Testament truth. So it's very important we catch what God is saying here. Because anything he did here in the Old Testament, he was always looking down the tunnel of time to New Testament realities. So what he has told Aaron the priest to do, we are priests. Did you know that? The Bible says you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And you are a called out people. For what reason? That you might show forth the praises of him. That you might declare and reflect and proclaim and show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we are like the moon. The moon has no light of its own, but the moon reflects the light of the sun. When you see the moon, it's because there's a sun. And when people look at you, he wants people to see the light on you because there is a sun. Okay? So, God also directed that Aaron and his sons were to put fresh firewood on the fire each and every morning. They were to get up, go in there, and put a log on the fire, lest the fire go out. So it was their job to replenish that flame. Now, chapter 9 of Leviticus, verse 24 tells us, and this is very important, that the fire that they were to keep going was originally lit by God. Did you know that? It was supernaturally lit by God. It says in verse 24, fire came out of the presence of the Lord. Wow, can you imagine that? Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell on their faces. When fire ever falls out of heaven into this sanctuary, I don't know about you, but I'm falling on my face. So the fire that was lit by God himself was to be kept burning by the diligence of the priest. What God originally lit, it was their job to keep it burning. It was their calling, their destiny, their purpose. Do you see the picture? Each and every morning, the priest went into the temple and placed another log on the fire. 
Now, I want you to also notice that he was commanded to remove the ashes from the previous night's burning so that nothing would hinder the new day's fire. That's a picture for you and me. Anything that's going to hinder the fire that is in you, the ashes of sin, the ashes of flesh need to be removed each and every day so the fire can burn brightly without hindrance. Beautiful picture here. So let me just make it real simple. So daily, they were to remove. Can you say with me, remove? Anything that would hinder the fire from burning and renew the fire with a new log. So they were to remove and renew. Remove and renew. How often? Once a year? Once a month? Once a week? No. Every single day when they got up, they were to remove anything that would hinder the flame and renew the flame with a fresh log. Lest the fire go out in the temple. Because God said the fire shall never go out. It must not go out. Now the Bible says these Old Testament rituals and observances were recorded for our learning. They are types and shadows, as I've said, of future New Testament realities. Listen to Paul in Romans 15, 4. For everything that was written in the past, what we just read, what was written in the past, past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now you can do with a lot of, without a lot of things, but you can't do without hope. The minute you let hope die, you die. God wants his people to be a people filled with hope because our God is a God of love and he's the God of all hope. But you see, we are called to be the ones, like the priests, the priests over the fire in our own soul, we are called to keep hope alive by doing the right things, by doing what we're about to go into today. So what is the message God is showing us from this ever-burning fire on the altar in the temple? Well, first, we got to realize today in a fresh way that in the same way God lit a holy fire in the temple, He has lit a holy fire in the heart of the New Testament redeemed. Thank God you and I are lit. With what? With the very life of God. Because guess what? As the fire burned in the Old Testament temple that was made with hands, God has now lit His holy fire in that which has been not made with hands. That is, you and me, our body... We are not a brick and stone and steel building, but we are flesh and blood, and our body has been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to say with me, I'm God's dwelling place. I'm God's house. Don't you know, says Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.16, that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? What an incredible thing. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the glory may be of God and not of us. See, we are clay pots walking around with Shekinah glory within. I want you to think about that, because who could have done this but God? See, they they had the Shekinah glory. If you had been living in the Old Testament, you would have gone into the, the temple, and if you had gone through the outer court 
and into the inner court and then into the Holy of Holies, you would have seen the Shekinah glory of God resting in that place. God's refusal and command to, to let, never let the fire go out was a picture and a symbol of the fact that His glory should never depart from His temple. And now we are the temple. And God has lit us. Do you remember that day when you said, Lord Jesus, I believe in you and that you died for me and I repent of my sin and I turn to that cross and I ask you based on what you did on that cross to forgive me and come into my life? And when you prayed that prayer, it was a dangerous prayer. As in a good prayer, a powerful prayer. Because then God's Spirit entered you and your spirit that had been dead in trespasses and in sins was made alive by the entry of the Holy Spirit into your life and God lit you with life. And now that Holy Spirit that entered you is to never leave but it's to ever burn, ever burn, ever burn, ever burn. Brightly, without hindrance. One day John the Baptist was preaching, and he made this statement about Jesus the Messiah. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unlatch. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now he's saying that Jesus is going to do two things. Baptize means he's going to immerse you in. He, he's going to dunk you in. He's going, to, he's going to absolutely immerse your life in two things. The Holy Spirit, but watch this second one. Fire. Fire. John said Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. You say, well, what's the difference? The Holy Spirit represents guidance and comfort. Jesus said, when he, the comforter, comes, I'm going to send you the comforter. And when he comes, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. But what about the fire? The fire represents the presence of God's power and the zeal and fervency it produces in the hearts of God's people. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fervent fire. So Christians should have two things operating in their lives each and every day. The comfort and guidance of the Holy Spirit and the undying fire of zeal and power. Wow. Wow. This shows so clearly Christianity is not a religion of works. It's not a religion of you and I doing the right things and performing and jumping through the right hoops to get right with God. This is telling us everything God did for us through Jesus on the cross. Christianity is not due, it's done. Now, when I talk about the word zeal, I want you to understand that the word zeal means to boil or to be red hot. What a powerful truth. You know, i got to tell you, folks, we need boiling churches. We need red hot churches. We need churches that are on fire. 
We don't need churches that are half-baked, lukewarm, looking like the worst thing that ever happened to them was that Jesus came into their life. We need churches filled with fire in this dark hour that we live in. I read recently of a church in a small town that caught fire and burned to the ground. As the pastor stood by helplessly watching it go down, he spotted a church member he hadn't seen in a long time. He said, brother, I haven't seen you in a while. What brings you here now? He replied, this is the first time I've seen our church on fire in a long time. I understand that statement. Do you know that somebody had a vision of our church one time? They had a dream. And they said, here's the dream I saw. I saw our church on fire. I saw the building on fire. But the people weren't running to get out. They were running to get in. Jesus said the church is a candle on a lampstand. A candle you can't hide. A candle on a lampstand lights up the whole room. First thing you notice when you walk into a room with a candle lit is the candle that's lit. The candle dispenses darkness. Jesus said the church is the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You don't light a candle, Jesus said, and put it under a bushel and hide it. But you light a candle and put it in a prominent place so that it can give light to all that are in the house. We're living in a nation that is spiraling into a level of darkness that I never thought I would see. So what is the call of God on His church? It's not to bend, bow, back down, and put up the white flag. The call of God on the church of Jesus Christ is to stand up and shine. Shine bright. The church, the real church, the blood-bought church, is to be known for light and fire. A light shines and a candle burns. God didn't light you for your fire to go out. Paul wrote to the Romans and said, listen to this, Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never, catch that word, never. You know what that means in the Greek? It means never. Never be lacking in zeal. Your zeal shouldn't go away. Your fire shouldn't burn out. Just like it should never burn out in the temple, it should never burn out in the temple of the altar of your soul. It should never burn out. He said, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Notice that Paul doesn't recognize burn out. He recognizes burn on. As I said, the word zeal means boiling, red hot. Jesus said, I wish you were red hot. I wish you were red hot. But since you're lukewarm, I want to throw you up. Because I want people that are either hot or cold. You're going to be with me or against me. Either get with it or walk away. But don't be lukewarm. So he said, I wish that you were red hot boiling in your zeal for me. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame. I love this verse. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So, so, so he says to Timothy, you've got a flame, now fan it. You know, I brought these just for a little illustration. These are bellows. 
and, and maybe you don't use these anymore, but people used to use them to fan into flame the fire in the fireplace. Isn't it funny how when we got a fire in our fireplace and it begins to, to go down, to ebb, to die, somebody in the room says, hey, the fire's going out. We know exactly what to do. Go get another log and put it in. But we don't know what to do when the fire in our soul begins to ebb. In the same way you can do this with a natural fire, you can do this with a spiritual fire. And I came to preach you from lukewarm to hot today. I believe God wants a hot church. Some people I meet, they tell me they're a Christian. I say, I don't want the God that did that to you. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no nothing. There are some churches you can walk into, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You can ice skate to your seat. It's so cold. Nobody says hello. Nobody's got any joy. There's no presence of God in the house. That is not what Jesus came to do. It is not by mistake that when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, He appeared as fire, not ice. Acts 2.2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. We've heard so many people lately talk about what a tornado sounds like coming at you in the tragedies that have taken place in Oklahoma. They, they say it sounds like a train coming at you, a horrible roaring sound. That's the sound of a terrible wind. But this was not a terrible wind. This was a powerful heaven-sent wind. And the first thing that happened to the people that were gathered together in the upper room, they heard something that wasn't there in the natural, a sound, an auditory vision. The sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house, but nobody's clothes were being blown. It was the way that God sent His Spirit because His Spirit is a mighty force for good. But then not only did they hear something, they saw something. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of their heads, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice that what God sent was mighty in its force and burning in its presence. And from that day forward, I'm amazed every time I read it, a burning, zealous, uneducated, unsophisticated bunch of former nobodies turn the Roman government and world upside down because nobody had ever seen what the presence of the Spirit did with these men. They would stand to speak and they were mesmerizing. You could not take your eyes off of them. They spoke with wisdom and with power. They healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, and this little group of former fishermen and tax collectors absolutely changed the ancient world. By what? By, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Greatest gift God ever gave the church? Two of them. This word I hold in my hand and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
by these two, the, the sword of the Spirit, by those two things, you can see God change nations. The fire of the Holy Ghost is the power of God in the believer's life, and we should burn with it. A third thing we learn is just as the priest's job was to place a new log on that fire every day, every believer is called to keep the fire burning on the altar of their soul. I'm going to say that again. As the priest was called to walk into that temple every morning and move the ashes, anything that would hinder the fire from burning brightly that day, any flesh, any sin, any hindrance, any cares of the world, anything that would hinder the burning of that fire, they had to remove the ashes first and then put a new log on the fire. We are called every day to remove the ashes from sin, carnality, cares of the world, whatever is getting in the way, and renew the flame with a fresh log. How often? Every single day, because the fire must not go out. Now back to Timothy for a moment. Paul told him, Timothy, who was a pastor when Paul wrote him, he was a pastor of a church, and he wrote him, and he said, Fan into flame, Timothy, the gift of God that is in you by the laying out of my hands. Fan it into flame, Timothy. Apparently the fire had begun to ebb in Timothy's life. A pastor, the, the fire had begun to ebb, or Paul wouldn't have written it. Paul got, either the Holy Ghost told Paul that his son in the faith was experiencing an ebbing and a, 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 a reduction in the fire in his life, or someone told Paul about it. The fire had begun to ebb. The flame was flickering. His zeal was cooling off. And that's exactly what's happening with a lot of people now. For various reasons, many once burning believers are losing their fire. The zeal is waning. The thrill is gone. And lukewarmness is setting in. Let me tell you something about the enemy of your soul today. If Satan cannot keep you out of the kingdom of God, he'll go after your fire after you're in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to say that again because the fire is your zeal, your excitement, your passion. The, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you begin to do the works of the Lord, not out of duty, but out of sheer delight. Because there is within you an inner motivation, a burning, a desire to do the will of God. Somebody asked John Wesley one time, they said, why are so many people coming to hear you? And he said, they come from miles around just to watch me burn. There's something about a Christian on fire. There's something about a believer on fire. And if Satan can't keep you out of the kingdom of God, believe me, he's going to go after your zeal, your fire, your passion. Because Satan fears Christians that are on fire. You think he's concerned about that church down the road that's deader than a hammer, that has no presence of God, that doesn't preach the word, nobody's ever saved? He's not worried about that church. He's not dispatching one devil to that church. Where does he dispatch the devils? What church does he attack? The church that is filled with people that are lit. You know, Fourth of July is almost here. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to love the 4th of July. You know why, because I could blow things up. 
And I used to say to my dad, can I just get an M80 or, a, or just one uh, major firecracker? He, my dad would only let me have sparklers. <laughs> but here's what he did. He, he said, I, I'm only going to let you, I'm not going to have you throwing black cats around and M80s and cherry bombs or anything like that. But I'm going to let you light the first sparkler. Oh, gee, thanks, Dad. And so I got to light the first sparkler. But you know what happened? When I lit the first sparkler, everybody would come to me to get their sparklers lit. You know where I'm going with this. I'm looking at a room full of sparklers. And let me tell you something. The devil fears lit Christians. Because everywhere you go, you go into a room and you're lit. You go into a room and there is sparks flying out of your eyes. You go into a room and the light is shining. You go into a room and everybody turns to see what that noise and what that light is. And see, lit people light people. When you're a lit Christian and the Holy Spirit has filled you and you're filled with the, the Spirit of God and the Lord has set you free and free indeed, man, the devil is afraid of what's going on in your life because you are major contagious. And everywhere you go, uh, there is a great danger as far as hell is concerned that you're going to light other people on fire with the zeal and passion and presence and life of Jesus Christ. So he'll do anything to put out your fire. It becomes hell's goal. Put out their fire. He'll work overtime to distract, discourage, deplete, and extinguish the fire in believers. So listen to me very carefully. If you're consumed with messes on Monday and troubles on Tuesday, and worries on Wednesday, and threats on Thursday, and money woes on Friday, and stresses on Saturday, and it makes you want to stay in bed on Sunday, chances are you are under attack, and you need to fan the flame. Where is it? It's not that God's left you. You just need to shh, shh, shh. Here's what I suspect. Somebody's relationship is falling apart because somebody won't put another log on the fire. Somebody's falling away from church. You don't have the same zeal you once have, and it's because you need to put another log on the fire. So you think you've got all these problems, but see... Our life flows from what is within us. What is within us affects everything that is without us. And that's why if the fire is bright and your spirit is in good shape and you're doing soul care and keeping the Word of God in your heart, then everything else in your life is influenced by that reality. Some have quit singing because you need to put another log on the fire. Some have quit serving because you didn't put another log on the fire. Still some others have backslidden from their walk with God and gone into worldliness simply because they quit putting logs on the fire. You say, well then, Pastor Jeff, what are the logs? It's very simple. It's so simple, and yet so many people miss it. I'm going to tell you two of them. Here they are, the Word of God. 
This is the primary law. Let me tell you what this is. The Bible says, don't we sing all the promises in the book are mine? But I see Christians not standing on the promises, but just sitting in the premises. We need to take the promises because every promise in this book is a log you throw on the fire. When I get down, I go to the Word of God. When I get confused, I go to the Word of God. When I feel tired, I go to the Word of God. When my spirit feels like it wants to faint, I go to the Word of God. And I don't come out until the fire is burning again. Listen to what God said. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? His word is like a fire. His word is a fire. This is the only book on earth that didn't come to us from earth. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus asked each other, and I love this, were not our hearts burning within us? When? When? When were their hearts burning within them? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. God wants everybody in here to have Holy Ghost heartburn. It doesn't hurt. You don't need a roll age. You don't need a purple pill. Holy Ghost heartburn is what God gives to every believer that is submitted to his will. Holy Ghost heartburn. John Wesley was so on fire that people came to see the zeal that emanated and exuded from him. The manna God's people gathered each morning perfectly represents the word of God. The Bible calls the manna, did you know this? In Psalm 78, verse 25, the Bible calls the manna angels' food. They ate the food of angels, the Bible says. God gave them all they could hold, and the Word of God is our angels' food. I want you to listen to what Jesus said from the Message Bible. He quoted this to the devil. He said, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth to stay alive. Why do I get into this word every day? I must. I love it. I hunger for it. But I know that to get away from this word is to set yourself up for a fall. The further you get from your last time with God, the more the chances you are going to slide away from him and fall in some level of your life. You will be overtaken by flesh if you don't keep your spirit man strong. So every day, it is our calling as a priest to get up and head straight for the altar and remove the ashes, anything that would stop the fire from burning, and then put a new log on and get it burning bright again. George Mueller said, it's my job as a believer. He said, I go into prayer first thing in the morning, and I don't come out till I'm happy in the Lord. Well, I don't come out. You say, well, how long do I stay with it until you're through? Well, how do you know when you're through? When you're through. When you're full. But Jesus said, you can't live without the word. Streaming words from God's mouth every day. One more log, prayer. The Bible says that as disciples waited for the Holy Spirit, the Bible records, as they waited for that Holy Spirit, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and they were constantly united in prayer. And in the presence of prayer, the fire fell. 
I'm looking at a room full of sparklers, a room full of candles that God has lit. If you're a child of God, you've been lit. So, Pastor, I don't feel it anymore. Don't blame your mama. Don't blame your daddy. Don't blame your preacher. Don't blame anybody. Look to yourself and say, when was the last time I got up and went straight to the Word of God and started throwing logs on the fire until it burned again? Can we stand together today? I'm going to tell you my vision. Just in closing quickly, I I listen to a lot of preachers. I just do. I I want to hear what God's saying to other people. And so I read voluminously, and I listen to a lot of preachers. And I listen to this preacher. I'm going to be honest with you. It was yesterday. I was listening to him. I pulled him off the net, and I was listening to him. And he was talking about, it sounded like he was at a pastor's conference. And he was talking about the condition of our culture today. And he was talking about how many churches are dead. And he was talking about how often people come to him and say, I can't find a church that's preaching the Bible. And I can't find a church that has the life of God in it. And I heard that, and something stirred in me, and I said, out loud in the room, not me. Not me. Now, because the, the culture is getting darker by the day, Christians are actually being persecuted in our country now, and it's going to increase. And so what, what do you do? Do you just run and hide? No. You do what they did in Rome, because it was dark in Rome too. They put on Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They kept the fire burning, and they went against the darkness, and the darkness gave way to the light. And Rome one day collapsed, but the church had exploded. So what are we going to do? We're going to get lit. So can we lift our hands right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for lighting our spirit man with holy passion, with holy fire. And, Lord, we're the priests of God in the New Testament, and we are called to take care of our own altar, the fire in our own spirit man. So, Lord, help us now to every single day. Now, would you pray this with me, church, because I really feel an anointing on this today. If you can just say every day, I'm not going to forsake, I'm not going to neglect my fire. Say with me, Lord, every day, I'm going to go to your word and pull a log from it and throw it on the fire. And I'm going to repent of any ashes, anything hindering my fire burning bright and I'm a sparkler lit by God called to light others help me to do it now I want you to take a minute because the Holy Spirit is here right now and I want you to pray whatever the Spirit 
is touching you to pray. If you need to put something under the blood, do it. But we're just going to sing a couple of stanzas. And I want you to have a moment with the Lord. Would you do it?